and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. This segment is brought to you by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe. Tim, is this the Party Hounds? Yeah, that's just like a little studio jerker, you know, run through. So, yeah. It's not you live on tour. No. No. That's what I we, want. we haven't quite hit live on tour yet. We're going to. If uh, COVID keeps cooperating, we're going to have that party we put on hold. So, fingers there it crossed, is. man. There it is. Party hounds. You saw an amphitheater. Let's go. I don't know if we can feel that, but DJ, you'll be there. It'll be in an undisclosed location. <laughs> an undisclosed location. A little pop-up concert. Tim, you caught my eye on Twitter with a very specific tease. The old ball coach, hearkening back to your BYU days. I suspect hearkening back to a film room with Rick Majerus when you worked at the University of Utah. What's wrong with the Jazz? They're 4-5 and five in the last nine. The turnovers are driving everyone to distraction. 20-whatever against, uh, against Houston, and they won. And then 14 a lot of them off the dribble, poorly timed, that led to layups going the other way for the Golden State Warriors. And you put out a tweet, too much dribbling. Get back to passing. Would you like to elaborate and explain to the people? Well, I think, you know, if you watch this team play, which uh, I would imagine all the diehards at 8.30 a.m., uh, you know, are, are jazz people. So we watch this team. And I think that one of the things that's been pretty evident through the year is you know, one of the the words I'd use to tag this team is just how incredibly unselfish they are. Um, you know, and teams have done a good job of showing different looks to really kind of confound, confuse, make the Jazz, you know, uh, just not be in rhythm. And in that particular tweet, I think, was motivated. I think, you know, Quinn has talked a lot about really quick decisions. Point five is what he talks about when you catch the ball, you really have a quick decision to drive, shoot, or pass. And I think that that is one area. I think the Jazz are are holding on to it a little bit too long, waiting for a matchup to, uh, you know, to develop or, um, you know, just trying to analyze too much, driving into crowds, things like that, that we just didn't see a ton of that uh, early on. I think the ball was was freely moving and – for whatever reason, I think teams go through, um, you know, I guess David Locke referred to it yesterday's storm. You know, teams go through storms during the year. And I would say they're in the midst of one right now. They're just uh, having a hard time finding that same type of rhythm they had earlier on. And the positive thing is it's same coaching staff, same coaches, everybody, you know, understanding what needs to be done. Now it's just a matter of being able to find that groove again, getting that rhythm. Um and get back to winning. Okay, so what uh, has to happen immediately, first quarter, to be able to get to that rhythm? You know, I think it really takes one guy to to start it. And, um, you know, we just have not seen a lot of those possessions for a while, at least a couple of games where, you know, the ball's driven and kicked and driven and kicked and it's moved and guys are basically ending up with with catch-and-shoot, feet-set, threes. Um, and really that's the play, that or drives or rolls or what the Jazz are kind of looking for. I would just think that, uh, you know, 
it's something that they're, they're going to face an opponent tonight, and the Celtics is very capable defensively and can cause some issues. Um, but I, I think the Jazz just need to figure out how to play with a little bit more force. And once two come to the ball, just move it. Um, make it a simple game. And the defense will always tell you where the ball should go if you pay attention. Um, and the Jazz have been great at it. So it's just a matter of getting back to that. So it seemed like some of what the Warriors were doing was the simplest stuff. They Playing the way that uh, a lot of teams play in high school, the way a long time ago my team played in high school, and nobody does it in the NBA because it's too easy to solve for these guys. But when they were driving and Bogey was losing the ball, uh, the closest help defender was coming in and trying to flick the ball away. And... In the NBA, you often don't rotate from the closest help defender. You don't leave the short corner because it's too easy a pass and too easy a shot for NBA guys. That's something you do to 17-year-olds who aren't as good. And yet, because it's never done, maybe that's why it was so effective. But we've been seeing all these teams like just clinging to three-point shooters, and they were leaving the closest three-point shooter trying to create a turnover. And it worked, and it seemed to get the Jazz out of their rhythm. Are they going to see more of that, or was that really a one-time deal? Uh, you know, it's a great observation, first of all. I mean, I just, have, I just marvel at your basketball I Really, it's it's amazing how you pull stuff out, Deej. Uh, wait, I called you Deej again. Um, yeah, the whole thing kind of felt uh, like a weak compliment there. You're taking a shot, Sorry. to be honest. I see what you did. No, I, I'm, be, I'm being dead serious. I, oh, think it's a, okay. I think it's a great Point, and I think what the Jazz did not do is just make that simple play, that simple read. Um, you know, very rarely do you see anybody help off the strong side. Um, all help is usually disguised, you know, coming from the weak side. And this year, people have been really, really. It's been interesting because they've actually switched pick and roll, and then rotated, you know, with the biggest guy on the weak side to get rid of the guard and the pick and roll on the roll. So guys have done a great job of disguising looks, but you're right. Golden State just basically, um, they just dug off of the nearest guys, and whether that was a shooter in the corner or, you know, coming maybe coming off of, of Rudy, guys were really active. And surprisingly, the Jazz didn't make a whole lot of uh, adjustments to that, and, and they were all night it seemed like, you know, at a pivotal moment, there was just those turnovers for touchdowns that kill you. Um, so am, am I concerned? Yeah, I'm concerned, uh, but I don't lose sleep over it because again, I think, you know, it'd be one thing if, if the jazz lost pivotal pieces or to injury or anything like that, we've got the same guys. Um, and it is a thing where, you know, it, it looks from the outside, like guys just aren't playing very hard or trying very hard, but it is kind of the, it is the storm, the lull of the season. You just got to figure out how to get through that piece and get some positive things happening again. All right, so don't lose sleep, the lull of the season, the storm, all those things. What level of nervousness do you have, if any? Well, no, I'm definitely nervous because I I think what this team hung its hat on for me was they really did start as much as everybody wanted to talk about the offense. And, and uh, gosh, it's fun, you know, the number of threes they're making and um, and the like I said, the unselfish ball movement, all that stuff. But really, this team – is only going to be as good as they as their defense really locks in, um, and that's really been the most concerning part to me since you know of this of this little stretch here, a couple games before the All Star break and, and to now, is their defensive numbers have have really gotten 
you know, gone in the wrong direction. And I, I feel like it's just got to be a re-emphasis. Um, you know, Rudy was unbelievable the other night, but he can only do so much, and everybody else has kind of got to dive in and do that too. Again, I'm not, I'm not taking shots or questioning effort, anything like that. I think it's just a matter of everybody being on the same page and getting the result that they were getting earlier. Tim Lacombe, join us, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. And as much as it's always about the Jazz and you play the game, not your opponent, especially when the opponents come so fast every night, the Celtics present some unique challenges, maybe some unique opportunities too. I look at them and I see a couple of young stars, and if the Jazz are in the middle of a storm, well, so are the Celtics, and they're hanging the hat on 23- and 24-year-olds. 23- and 24-year-olds who are pretty accomplished by NBA standards. You know, They've been to conference finals and all that. Uh, but the expectations to go to NBA Finals, and they're only a couple games over 500. So, how much an opportunity is this for the Jazz? How much does the elite athletic ability and the skill of these two guys present a major problem? And how much does the Celtics' lack of depth an opportunity for a Jazz team that we've seen have real success while the bench is on the floor? We've we've seen the bench go on runs. Yeah, we have, uh, and I think that's part of what was a bummer the other night is, you know, Golden State has been atrocious without uh, Draymond and Steph Curry on the floor, as they should be, because they've got a bunch of young guys and and transitional guys and, and, uh, you know, guys that are playing two-way deals and that sort of thing. So I I guess from the Celtics' point of view, the, the part that is encouraging is the Celtics are, you know, have been kind of weathering a storm. I think the piece that stands out with difficulty is Tatum and Brown, particularly his ability to play in isolation uh, and really attack the defense uh, because those two guys are are phenomenal at it. And, um, you know, the Jazz have to really figure out a a nice strategy to to really kind of slow them down. And then offensively, honestly, I think think watching this film, watching the tape, I would just encourage the guys to get back to making a simple play, an easy play. you know, I think at times it may be one too, dribble too many, uh, but the, at the very sign of a second defender, that ball should really be moving because if you move the ball there, then the defense has to react, and you have them basically reacting what you're doing as opposed to uh, constantly in reaction to what they're doing. And, and I think that was a comment that was made. I can't remember by who. It might have been Rudy after the game, um, against the Warriors, but he talked about being uh, being the one that dictates to the defense and the offense on the other team what's going to happen that night. And the Jazz have just been too much in reaction as opposed to dictating. And, and that's part of the force we talk about a lot and Quinn talks about. Um, but I honestly believe offensively it hinges on just making a simple play and doing it early in the game, making a simple play for a buddy, letting him kick in a shot, get a good feeling going. Um, rally defensively, get some stops, and get out and go. And that's really that's the that's the simple, like uh, Cliff Notes version of what this Jazz team needs to do. Is Ainge, which the I know you guys of... you guys did a lot of Cliff Notes because because it beat um, going to class. Because <laughs> it beat going to class, you're dang right. Was go a, ahead. There was a beach 150 yards away. Is Ainge the godfather of BYU basketball? Is Ames the godfather of BYU basketball? Yes. 
I would say he probably is. Um, I would say there's several, but I would say he's the he's the Don. I like it. I refer to him as Don Ainge. Yeah, can we get a little music? Let me ask you, I've got a problem with an inbounds play. I need to get a guy freed up for a three. This is what the average media member and the average uh, BYU fan commuting right now, this is what they wonder. How much in the middle of the season, nice, Yach, well done. Well done, Yach. In an average season when the NBA games are coming fast and furious and he's got to scout college kids and BYU's got a couple games a week, how much back-channel communication is there? How many, how many texts and phone calls over the course of the year? Is it two? Is it 20? Is it 200? How big a save does the Don have? With the Don? Uh, you know, at least with, from my experience, the Don was very considerate to check in several times a year. Um, sometimes with, uh, you know, when you were when things were going great and just uh, offering support and encouragement and excitement. And likewise, when things were tough. Um, but I will tell you, the Don himself is a wonderful guy. And... I couldn't be more happy for that whole situation, you know, BYU getting to the tournament. And I know that probably makes the Don happy. He's on a a park bench in Boston in the North End somewhere, you know, feeding pigeons and uh, figuring out how they're going to beat the Jets tonight. (laughs) So what about this matchup, either Michigan State or UC Los Angeles? Well, I, I did find it funny. I mean, I have to, I have to chuckle, and I think I've made it fairly clear via Twitter and such that <clears throat> to me the NCAA is it's not my favorite org. Um, but it, it is funny because BYU gets a six, which is totally deserved, um, and I'm so happy for those guys for that. But here's <laughs> your six. You're not going to know who you're going to play for a couple days and oh by the way it's either Michigan State or UCLA which you guys probably have done the math what's the the number of titles amongst them 13 I knew you'd done the math 13 um oh no by the way the one team like seriously I'm watching teams all year long uh the one team I would say at least the BYU team I was with I wouldn't want to see the length athleticism craziness is Texas and so they get through that first one in Texas sitting there. But, uh, you know, Mark Pope said when he got the job, he's going to do things that haven't been done. And um, and he's doing an awesome job at setting a great foundation. So, uh, you know, hey, they're they're one of two teams in the state that made the tournament, and we got to rally around them. And, and, uh, or else the Don won't be happy with you. It's going to be Michigan State, isn't it? UCLA lost to Colorado, Oregon, USC, and Oregon State. They got a four-game losing streak. All four of those teams are in the NCAA tournament. They've had a couple of key injuries. UCLA's not winning that game. It's going to be BYU-Michigan no, State, right? No, I mean, one, w- one would think, uh, obviously, crazy stuff happens, but the other X factor in that, to me, is just Tom Izzo's experience. Um, you know, he's he, when tournament time rolls around, I watched it time and time again. He, he brought teams in, you know, from all different uh, – he had teams that were were playing great and teams that were were okay. And when March rolls around and gets to the tournament, he just does an awesome job. So um, the one thing about Michigan State, they just keep bringing big dudes on the floor, knocking you around. And so if it is 
BYU, Michigan State, if it does come to that, because I think if it's BYU, CLA, I think BYU wins by, you know, double digits probably. The Michigan State game will be a battle. Um, I still believe BYU can find a way to win it, but um, you know, Izzo does a great job of just kind of mucking the game up and, and playing really physical, and they just keep bringing guys off the bench that can do that. It's crazy to me when you look at Michigan State's their season. It's not anything close to what we've seen out of that program for so many years. But at the same time, they've beaten two one-seeds and a two-seed. That scares the crap out of me from the BYU perspective. Oh, for sure. Um, again, I think that just goes to, you know, the years that we, we sat in that room and Texas A&M popped up a couple, two years in a row. And really, if you could drop at that point, kryptonite for us at that time was was uh, very physical, long, athletic. Um, and we just had a difficult time. You know, they switched everything. We had a difficult time finding a way to get shots. And, I, and I've talked about this for a couple weeks, you know, that once the matchups come out, that's when you can really determine how far a team can go. On one hand, I really like BYU's matchup because UCLA and Michigan State are down. They haven't had stellar years. Um, the, the converse of that is that it's UCLA and Michigan State, and they've got great players. You know, you're, just by virtue of who they are, they're going to have a pretty good amount of talent. Um, so the first round, I think, uh, is going to be tougher than, like, for instance, you know, if you were to draw uh, an 11 that um, is, a, is a non-power five or but maybe doesn't have all of the, the things that those two teams have. But to me, the biggest bummer is just having to wait so long to determine who you're going to play and then kind of have that short window. Um, you can have two guys working on it. I understand that. You can have a guy scouting UCLA and Michigan State. But it is really tricky when you're trying to figure out with your team what to focus on that week in practice. Um, what we used to do in a situation like this is we would just tear a couple of the best actions away from both teams. We wouldn't identify them. You know, we just kind of keep a generic um, defensive segment where we just guard, you know, maybe three or four of one team's actions and three or four of the others just so that we could get a look and it would help us in our prep. Well, there's also time to watch Hoosiers and then take them to the gym you're going to play in and Mark Pope pulls out the tape and measures the rim and the free throw line. Am I right? I mean, that movie's older than I would imagine that would probably be a good time to do that. Right, yeah. You're actually in that building, right? Yeah, and the, and this mo- the movie is well, way older than these that? players. That's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. You're going in acknowledging you're the overwhelming underdog, so we're going to measure. We're the sixth seed, and we're going to measure the hoop. That whole thing was the little guy beating the big guy. You're defeated the second you have that attitude. Get out of here. No, yeah. it's the magic of a big win in March. We're living <laughs> no the way. dream. There will be okay. multiple wins in this building. So is Let Mark Few going to go do that? Then Mark Few's going to go do that then because it's the magic. No way. You're going in expecting to pack. You pack for two weeks minimum, and then you do your wash for the third week. Get out of town, man. That's the whole under the whole premise of the Hoosiers thing is the underdog beating the teams from the higher classifications. Once BYU takes that attitude, get on the plane and come home then. Yeah, My hey, goodness, PK. that's the dumbest hey. thing I've heard. PK, BYU didn't take that approach. That was just a suggestion. Well, it's a dumb suggestion. By your partner. 
It's a dumb suggestion by my partner. <laughs> I've, heard, I've never been involved in one of these, but I've heard it was it would be like a traffic accident. So you I don't know. Who thinking that you're the beast, man. I'm. I've been in so sure many you of them. Send them the the tape measure. I've been. I've been in so many of them that I'm belted in. I've got the uh, I got the NASCAR headgear on and the airbags ready to deploy. The five point harness. Yeah, I got the five point harness. I am the airbag. Believe me, <laughs> I am the I am the airbag. Cuckoo, cuckoo! <laughs> Is that what you're doing? You going Beatles on me? <laughs> I am I'm the, the hot airbag. Cuckoo, cuckoo! I am the walrus. <laughs> All right, Tim, we're way over, but that was fun. A little Godfather, a little Beatles. You got it all. What's the What's the line? Have I ever Have I ever denied you? <laughs> what is it, PK? Oh, what the Godfather? Yeah, have I ever died? I can't remember the great line. Dang it! I shouldn't have brought DJ's it up. the God, He's the Don impersonator. It's actually one of his better ones. I do. Can I do the Godfather. I do the Godfather and Kermit the Frog. Those are my go-to's. They're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. If we're not careful, Jake's going to be like, what do you say we go to break here? <laughs> yeah, like I, I highly suggest we go to break here. Tim, we appreciate it as always. We will hear you tonight with Jake Scott, Jazz pregame. It's an early one. You'll be home early tonight. 4.30 pregame, 5.30 the tip. It's on TNT and right here on the Zone Sports Network. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 the Zone.